On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we participate in a family reunion of effed up proportions in Jillian Flynn's Sharp Objects in its 2018 HBO Limited TV series and ask the question, WTF is Calhoun Day? So grab a drink, some Neosporin, and welcome home. Also, don't tell mama. Never. Content warning for this episode, we will be touching on some serious topics such as alcohol and drug abuse, self-harm, suicide, sexual assault, and so many others. So this is definitely going to be a sensitive uh, episode. Welcome back, everybody, to Read, Watch, or DNF. Mel B here and Jackie D. We are continuing our drunken journey through Mystery May. Last week, we went through the confusion that was the screen adaptation of Dennis Lehane's Gone Baby Gone. This week, we're going back home with Camille Preaker as she tries to figure out who and why someone murdered two girls in her hometown of Wind Gap, Missouri and realizes some pretty messed up stuff about herself, her family, Everybody in this Missouri town. Every freaking buddy. Everybody. Sorry, Missouri. So, in Jillian Flynn's Sharp Objects, if you haven't already, please like, follow, share, rate, leave a review. Check us out on the social medias. It's good now. It's getting there. (laughs) We have, we're not really touching it. So, we have a say in it, but... Somebody else who's more talented than us is helping us with that. So thank you. Our F-bombs this week are dedicated to anyone out there that is dealing with thoughts of self-harm or actively participating in self-harm. We know it's rough. We're telling you, please don't do it. But if you are dealing with it, there is help. Uh, If you don't have to call anyone either, you can do it through text message. There's... um, a crisis line where if you text home H O M E to seven, four, one, seven, four, one, that's home H O M E to seven, four, one, seven, four, one. And this is not sponsored by any means. We just found something that we thought uh, would be useful to anyone out there dealing with this. It is 24 seven support. So with um, licensed counselors uh, specializing in self-harm, such as cutting, which is going to be a major theme of today's episode. Uh, So, if you need it, it's there for you. Please reach out. All right, let's uh, let's talk about what we're drinking this week. I'll uh, I'll go first, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to be drinking vodka because that's a theme in this book, along with some other very hard alcohols, very very hard hard liquor. Uh, but I'm going to be drinking my vodka with some juice because I'm a bitch. So. Vodka and orange juice. That's a screwdriver, right? Yeah. Jackie? I am revisiting the lovely Basil Hayden bourbon. Uh, I'm drinking it on the rocks, but nothing else in it. Jackie's not a bitch. I try not to be. Jackie's hardcore. (laughs) Oh, goodness. She just doesn't have the issues that Camille Preaker has. Uh, No. No. Thank you for that. I have other issues. So we did find a drinking game uh, quite easily, actually, from our friends up in Canada from drinkone.ca. I honestly didn't even think we needed to look for a drinking game because I feel like 
if you just drink anytime anyone drinks in this show, you're good. And you can even limit it to anytime Camille Preaker drinks and you're good. But did find it. So, Jackie, do you want to go through the rules of it? Sure. So this is only six rules, but <clears throat> it will definitely get you messed up. And as always, we're not saying that you have to do the drinking game. This is on you. But rule number one is drink when anyone says wind gap. Mm. They they say that a lot in the show because everybody who is from wind gap is very proud of the fact that they are from wind gap. Yeah. And then we did look it up. There is no such thing as wind gap, Missouri. There's a ton of wind gap, Pennsylvania's though. Yeah. It's because of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I can say that because I'm from there. <clears throat> uh, the second rule is anyone says Camille. That also happens quite a bit. Because she is one of the main characters and she does interact with a lot of people. Yeah. And her mother just says it randomly. Like, Camille. Uh, the third rule is drink when anyone drinks, which like Mel said before, we feel that that is something that would get you sufficiently drunk if you just follow that rule. Even the law enforcement's drinking all the time. Yeah. He's always in that bar. Yeah. <laughs> not working on the case or sometimes working on it just also drinking yeah while he's working on it which i feel like seems counter <laughs> seems counterproductive yeah um okay and then fourth rule is uh drink when camille is in a car which she spends a lot of time in her car maybe that's her thinking place also, having lived in a town like that, I know that it's impossible to leave your car to go anywhere. You have to take your car. Mm. It's totally not practical. Uh, rule number five, the white woman is mentioned or seen, which doesn't really happen that often, but I, yeah. maybe, maybe they wanted to come up with another rule. Yeah, like if you only have one drink to spare during the show, then maybe just stick to that room. I mean, yeah. that rule. Yeah. And then the final rule is drink when there's a flashback, which also happens quite a bit in the show. She's constantly thinking about uh, memories with her sister and and stuff like that. So those are the rules. Also, um, her in the car and drinking and having a flashback happened simultaneously throughout the series. Yeah, so do you take Three drinks when that's all happening at the same time? I feel like you got to chug or have shots ready and on hand for when those scenes happen. It chug whenever and, and finish whenever the memory is over. Yeah. But I feel like if you do that, you're going to die because that's or your liver is just going to give out. That's a pretty big thing in the show is Instantly. her drinking while in the car sometimes even while driving don't do that <laughs> and having a flashback i feel like i don't understand how she has not had an accident because she's disassociating having a flashback while driving but also drunk so she's she's, she's a very very high functioning alcoholic which is not a good thing no it's not a good thing Let's talk about who read watched. Who, who read watched? Who read watched? I read watched. 
Jackie read watch. Yeah. Let's talk about who read first and watched first because that's what we do here. We each week we take turns on who reads or watches first, and then we swap. So we we'll see if that changes our a uh, reaction to the book or said adaptation. I watched first this week. It's an HBO Max limited TV series, so I watched it on HBO Max. Shocker. <laughs> Then I read the paperback, of course. It was published by Broadway Books in 2006. So the cover is very plain, and I think that's, like, her trend, because I remember the Gone Girl cover is also very plain. It's, like, her name is bigger than the title of the book. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she's, she's like, I wrote it! This is what I wrote. <laughs> um, but it does have, this one does have the stupid little sticker with the the movie copy like or adaptation page on it so it's it's weird it's got that it's not it's not super annoying because I, I really do hate that when they put it on the books but whatever it's on there it's fine i like amy adams she's not bad to look at so it's okay jackie I read first the kindle edition is broadway books 2006 my cover had the that what you had on the sticker that was the whole cover Oh yeah, her yeah. page on mine, yeah. And I also watched on HBO Max because that's where it resides. Yeah, I even rewatched a little bit of it with Jackie because she watched second, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I can't do this." Again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about this book and this adaptation and what we're dealing with this week. So this is what the back of the book says. We're to pick it up. It says. Fresh from a brief stay at a psych hospital, reporter Camille Preaker faces a troubling assignment. She must return to her tiny hometown to cover the unsolved murder of a preteen girl and the disappearance of another. For years, Camille has hardly spoken to her neurotic, hypochondriac mother or to the half-sister she barely knows, a beautiful 13-year-old with an eerie grip on the town. Now, installed in her bedroom in her family's Victorian mansion, Camille finds herself identifying with the young victims. A bit too strongly, dogged by her own demons, she must unravel the psychological puzzle of her own past if she wants to get the story and survive this homecoming. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Yeah, some some facts that I found about the book. <clears throat> so Flynn was working for Entertainment Weekly while she while she was writing the book. Um, she was working on it predominantly on the nights and the weekends, just a few hours at a time. Uh, but while she was writing the book, she found that it was initially difficult to maintain the books. And I'm going to force myself to say this word mm. now. Moist gothic tone. And she didn't want it to be E.W. Bouncy. I did not know. I did not know that she worked for Entertainment Weekly, but this book and that magazine are polar opposites. Yeah. What is moist? I I think I can feel the gothic tone, but what is moist? I I don't know. I just I saw that, and I honestly I thought of that uh, that song that I make you listen to sometimes, uh, Tominsky. Oh, yeah. It's the Southern Gothic. Yeah. I listen to that song and I just have memories of the the humidity and oh, the just overall the- misery in, in Georgia. Yeah, like that heavy, that there. like, yeah. 
beat down feeling maybe like that just really yeah. oppressive humidity, but in a more I, nuanced way. Yeah. It, it, I think it sometimes can cause some people to act in very strange ways. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Up in the Ozarks. The Ozarks yeah. 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 Moist. Ugh. <laughs> and it was her debut novel. So she just came right out of the gate. Yeah. On fire. But then she wrote Gone Girl, and Gone Girl is also really disturbing because there's a lot of stuff in I there have, that's just very strange. Very, very strange. I have not read it. Oh. Yeah. So the show, here is the snapshot, little snippet summary for the show. So it says, a reporter confronts the psychological demons from her past when she returns to her hometown to cover a violent murder. 2018 eight-episode crime, drama, mystery, limited TV series on HBO Max. Rated TV MA for sex, nudity, alcohol, drugs, and smoking. The cigarettes. (laughs) So yeah, so the much more concise description, but I think it, uh, it, it sounds about the same as the book. It's giving you that same feel like she's got demons. She's got history. She's going back hometown, deal with her mother. I feel like that's anybody's, any woman's really life story can be summed up that way. She's got demons. Now she's got to go spend a week with her mother. (laughs) Her mother is the cause of most of those demons. So funny thing about the show is, when Jackie and I are watching it, and sorry to anyone that's in Missouri, but we're going to beat up on Missouri right now. Our um, sister agency site is in Missouri, and we, uh, we we talk a lot of shit about them. So if you're there, sorry, don't take it personally. I'm sure Kansas City and St. Louis are lovely areas. I'm sure they're just fine. It actually sounded physically painful for you to get that out. <laughs> But I'm sure the people are fine. Anyone who's listening to this that's in Missouri, you are probably amazing. So this is not about you. This is just about the rest of your state. So here we go. When we were watching it, we I remember going, this feels like this is what Missouri is. You know, like when you're all the little shitty areas that they're going to. But jokes on us because this wasn't even filmed in Missouri. It was filmed in Barnesville, Georgia. But then there are some things that were filmed in California. So I think that's a stark difference. But also, I feel like California's pretty shitty, too. <laughs> uh, so another thing here is, which was interesting that I found about the show, is it says when Camille leaves work, she plugs on her smartphone and proceeds to listen to Led Zeppelin. Why this is cool is because that makes the show a rarity as Led Zeppelin rarely allows their catalog to be played. It's the most expensive to get rights to. So they want all out for this show if they're playing Led Zeppelin in it, which is interesting because I don't think they make any sort of reference to Led Zeppelin in the book. So it's not like they Mm. needed to go that route. So interesting. I wonder if they got like a discount or something. And I actually, we got to go back Jackie because I found this and we didn't see this. So there are actually two, um, like two scenes during the credits at the end. There's one halfway through and another one at the very, very end of the last episode. So which one did I see? What do you mean? I can't remember. I can't because I know I saw an extra scene. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, but I'm not sure if it was the one that was halfway through or the one at the very end. Oh, I don't know. I think I shut it off right mm. when the credits started, so I definitely know I didn't see anything. But yeah, so if you do watch this or you have watched it, uh, go back to the last episode and fast forward through the credits. There's two scenes you're missing. So I don't, I didn't see it. Jackie doesn't remember it. So you're not getting the info from us this episode. So surprise. <laughs> we have homework. Yay. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the reviews. Jackie, you read first. So let's, let's hear what Goodreads has to say. Okay. Overall, it was a four out of five average um and that's out of 831,488 ratings of those ratings 52,057 were actually reviews so people took the time to write some stuff which okay now this was one that i didn't have as much trouble finding concise reviews it was just stuff that was relevant to things that we would be talking about uh, but the first one that I found, it's a five out of five. This is at the tail end of the review itself. So I'm not going to bore you with all the details. Uh, but it finishes out saying, as much as the characters annoyed and disturbed me, I enjoyed the story very much. It was shocking, unexpected, creepy, not funny at all, and extremely well written. I will definitely be reading more of Gillian Flynn's novels. There were a lot of gifts and memes in this review. I do like it, it like when they do that. Sentences. Yeah, two sentences, then gift. Two sentences, then meme. Stuff like that. So it did take up a good amount of the page, but there was some actual text in there. Uh, <laughs> what I thought funny, what I thought was funny about this review is that on Goodreads, you can separate your books by shelves yeah. or whatever. And this person had this book shelved on their suspense thriller mindfuck shelf. <laughs> I know some people are really creative with their shelves on Goodreads. I feel like I'm I'm behind because I just have it like currently reading, read, want to read, and then my TBR. So those are like the books that I physically have in my possession that I need to read. Um, yeah, we're not creative, I guess. I'm going to look into that. I pretty much just slide the thing over on Kindle whenever I finish a book saying, yes, Mark is red. (laughs) We're so basic. Basic bitches. Pumpkin spice latte. Hell yeah. (laughs) The next review is a four out of five. I figured I'd go with that because the average was four out of five. Mm -hmm. So this one says there is something deeply unhealthy about this book. It's in the characters, it's the story, in the relationships, in the sex, and just in general, in the general mood of the novel. Reading this made me feel a little unwell, both physically and mentally, but I am glad I did. If you know me, which I don't, you'll know I love complex characters with issues that feel raw and real rather than melodramatic. The people in this novel are majorly fucked up. No one is without a dark past, and everyone, it seems, has a horror story. Flynn never shies away from the horrific details. You're not going to find something pleasant in the story. Sex, for example, is always something complex. It's an escape or a bargain or a catharsis. Everything else is similar. 
Lynn does a fantastic job of challenging the notion that women are weak, innocent damsels in distress. In a world where women are victims, both in their media representation and in statistics, this is a very interesting look at other kinds of women. It's programmed into us to believe that women are safer, kinder, built with an instinct to, uh, that makes it difficult for them to be cruel and cause pain without reason. Maybe we were always wrong. Uh, this was like a, um, like her, the, her, her psychology thesis. Probably. This is her thesis on women's studies. Mm-hmm. Well, women in media that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have anything else to say about this. I just feel like I've learned some stuff, but not really. <laughs> I mean, I, I I agree that the the characters are very complex and things like that, and there really isn't a whole lot of melodrama. It's this is the way things are. It sucks. Moving on. Let's get to the next issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the final review that I found was excessively long. <laughs> I only took one paragraph of it. It's a one out of five. Okay, I'm going to say this. Remind me to say something after I read this paragraph. Okay, I will. Okay. The razor blade on the front cover of this book is what one yearns for right after embarking on this read. Sharp blade with which to cut every single page one by one until they are so neatly shredded that even the memory of what was written on them becomes non-existent. And then one can use the same razor to end one's own life. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Reminding you. Okay. The other two reviews that I read that I read to you mm. were written by women. This last one, the one out of five, was written by a man. Ooh, let's get out our man-hate uh, soapbox. It was also one of two reviews that I read that mentioned Chuck uh, Palahniuk. Oh. I've read one of his books, Choke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from what I remember, because I read that book years ago, I honestly do feel like there was a hint of... Um, misogyny in his books oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That one the way this guy that wrote this review was referring to chuck polinick makes it sound like he's a huge fan of his yeah and to pick up this book and give a review like that i think that this is somebody who definitely has an extremely difficult time understanding what women go through on a day-to-day -day basis oh that's the same author that wrote fight club mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. But it's also like, I'm not going to give too much grief. I think he didn't have to read this book, but he did. So he was branching out. So that's cool. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do think that men and women probably do enjoy different styles. And this one is very female centric. It's written by a woman about a woman dealing with not, you know, statistically women issues, kind of, you know, like Hutting is predominantly a female form of self-harm you know I, there are men that out and boys out there that do it but you're going to see it more um in girls and women so it, i i don't give too much grief because I, I think it is maybe difficult i think when i read uh what's that book that we just did um 
High Fidelity. You know, that's yeah. written by a man about a man. And I, I didn't really enjoy it. It's a good book, but I just couldn't relate to the shit that this guy was complaining about. Because I think it's like kind of dude issues. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think you need to say that you're going to kill yourself at the end of a review because of the book. If you really felt that deeply about it, you could have just stopped reading it. Yeah. Just put it down, walk away, and forget it ever existed. Yeah. Also, I think it's really kind of insensitive and um, dense and maybe negligent to, to make a comment like that at the end of a review for a book that deals with suicide and self-harm. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 making light of that whole situation. Yeah, I think uh, it's just not good. Yeah. You could have just walked away, dude. Anyway, okay, let's do uh, the show reviews. IMDb again. I realized that because this is a series, that each episode did have its own uh, star rating and reviews, but I did the aggregate, so that would be eight point one out of ten. For 94,016 IMDb users, these are user reviews. Uh, We don't care what the critics have to say, ever. Never. Ever. Okay, 10 out of 10. Blown away, period. Masterpiece, period. Absolutely brilliant. If you're looking for a happy story, and your is spelt wrong for anyone who's thinking, <laughs> Look somewhere else. Very dark, very depressing. If you have it in you to watch, you get a masterfully spun story of true pain, true guilt, and loss. Also, a very good depiction of mental health with a final act that is jaw dropping, and jaw is all caps. I've never written a review on here, but this is a masterpiece. I want, <laughs> so I read that and I was like, wait, your review is a masterpiece? And I was like, oh, no, 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 they mean the show. <laughs> <laughs> I've never written a review on here. But this one's a masterpiece. <laughs> okay. Five out of ten. A good 90-minute movie. A 90-minute movie dragged out over eight very long episodes. I think they meant they felt long because the episodes really are only like 40-ish to 50 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no faulting the actors. Amy is phenomenal as usual. And the supporting cast are also top-notch. Quality over quantity. Afraid this is quantity with some quality thrown in for good measure. I, I'm not going to give away too much about my final review on this, but I I would like to agree with this. Maybe not a movie, but I, I really like the way they did um, And Then There Were None, where it was the three yeah. kind of like longer-ish episodes. So it's like, it's not, you know, it's, you don't want to, dump it all into a, an hour and a half movie because then you're going to miss a lot of stuff. But it, I don't think it needed eight hours, essentially. Or I think it's actually like seven hours and one minute. That's the total running time of the series. So I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. One out of ten. HBO is too pretentious now. They need <laughs> to go back to the mid-90s and figure out what made their network awesome. It was gritty, real, and honest. This show's covered subjects the other network networks didn't want to touch. Now HBO is frankly just boring and pretentious. It's sad. This show is just hot garbage. Not sure what happened. So I I like how this is a review about HBO, really, and not the show itself. They just throw in a little bit at the end, like, oh, yeah, the show's garbage. Fuck HBO. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking the same thing just now. 
So I'm it's it's think, a review of HBO's current programming. Yeah, so I'm trying to think about the 90s HBO, and maybe I just don't share this sentiment that HBO has sort of gone off the deep end because HBO keeps putting out, I think, decent stuff. Mm-hmm. There's still high quality stuff. You can have your issues with it, but I don't think HBO has really fallen off. Okay, or at least not pretentious. Yeah, I don't think I don't think HBO is pretentious yet. It might be getting there, but not not yet. Okay, one out of ten. I'm going to do another one. As bad as anything I've ever seen, and then some. If you want to see Amy Adams look at a mirror, mold on a toilet. Is it? I don't know what that means. Mold on a toilet. Does it mean like actual no mold or her molding on a toilet? I don't know, but it says mold on a toilet, masturbate, drink, put on crap music, and masturbate some more, then this is the dream show for you. <laughs> Lasted 20 mind-numbing minutes before I happily deleted it. Don't believe any of these delusions viewers giving this complete and utter waste of time anything above a two. So this person watched the first 20 minutes of the first episode and said, nah, and then was like, I'm going to write a review. So, (laughs) which I don't, I don't, you know, listen, if you're not into something, just walk away. You don't have to, it's your time. Your time is valuable. But I just, I really love that. (laughs) Put on crap music and masturbate some more. I think they need to maybe go take a, an English class or something because their commas were all over the place. Oh yeah. No, the, the grammar in this is absolutely atrocious. But you know, very difficult to read. It's a review on IMDb. Yeah, we'll we'll give it some slack. (laughs) Do better. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the characters of this. Jackie read first, so she's going to name out her main characters, and then I'll do what I believe is for the show. Okay, based on what I saw on Wikipedia, so whoever wrote that Wikipedia article, this is your call. Uh, For the book, the three absolute main characters are going to be Camille, Ama, and Adora. They list out the following as supporting characters. I don't really see the differentiation between some of these being supporting or main characters. I think that they could have fallen into the main character category, Uh, but they would be Detective Richard Willis, Alan, uh, Alan Krelin, who is Adora's husband, Anne Nash and Natalie Keene, even though they're not actually seen in the book or have any dialogue with anybody they're talked about a lot yeah chief vickery john Keane, and frank curry and eileen curry huh all right so i'm gonna say the same in, in regards to camille adora and ama then so that's camille adora is her mother ama is her half sister because and alan is her stepdad so those are my three main and I'm going to include Detective Willis, Chief Vickery, John Keane, and Frank Curry. Because I think those are the characters in the show that really we spend a lot of time with. It moves the plot along or moves the story along, I should say. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Alan's like fine. The girls, the two, Anne Nash and Natalie Keane, those are the two girls that are found dead. Uh that it's that's what the story revolves around is them being dead. So yes, they are integral, but 
them, them as characters don't actually exist really because they nothing involves yeah. them in regards to like them as a person or a character it's just the fact that they are dead I would uh, include Bob Nash as a supporting character in the show because uh, he does show up quite frequently. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he just he doesn't really drive the plot. It w- what they did with him, I didn't really understand. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, but yeah, you know, maybe we'll get into that later. Fine, Bob Nash is like support. He's just there. But if I add him, then I gotta add characters like Jackie and the girlfriend, and I just don't want to do that. Because okay. I just don't understand. Again, I don't understand what they did with them. So let's talk about this casting. So we have Camille Preaker, who's played by Amy Adams, who is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Jackie and I actually just got back from a Disney cruise. This we went <laughs> on just a few days ago. And Amy Adams played Giselle in, uh, what was it, Enchanted? Yeah, which is a Disney like like a live action kind of fantasy movie. So Amy Adams plays Giselle, which is the princess, and she sings a lot and she's real happy and giddy. So this song from the movie came on while we were on the ship, and all I could think about because I knew we were coming to record this episode, I was like, these are two different characters, and the fact that one person can play both of those flawlessly, she's top notch, top notch actor. So she's amazing. Yeah. Play her playing Camille. I, I I don't actually think I can think of anyone else that could have played it. So really spot on, spot on. Adora Krenlin is played, or Krellin, I should say, sorry, Krellin, is Patricia Clarkson. And I feel like I've seen her in so many other things, but I just can't remember. Um, she's also phenomenal. Yeah, she's been in House of Cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Maze Runner. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Annie. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. I, I don't know, but watching her, that's all I could think about while I was reading the book. So not, nobody else came to mind. Um, so Patricia Clarkson, fantastic. Detective Richard. Oh, real quick. Uh, Patricia Clarkson, she played, uh, what's her face's, uh, Emma Stone's mom in Easy A. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Great. Patricia, love you. Detective Richard Willis is played by Chris Messina. And he's in a bunch of stuff, too. He's one of those actors where you see his face, you're like, I know him, but maybe don't remember his name. He's done a lot of stuff with Amy Adams, one of those being Julie and Julia, the one about um, Julia Child. Amy, Adam, Amy Adams is in there, and Chris Messina plays her husband in that. So, interesting fact, Amy Adams is actually the one that suggested and requested that they cast Chris Messina as the detective um, in the show because she's comfortable with him. She likes him. Maybe there's something else going on there. I don't know. Uh, But also, there is going to be some interesting scenes that were coming up, and she wanted someone she could feel comfortable with. And uh, that was her guy. So he was awesome. I, I I think the casting in this overall, it was amazing. So Emma Krellin is played by Eliza, Eliza Scanlon. And where else was she, Jackie, that we did an episode on? Little Women. Little Women. She played Beth. So this is night and day because I remember when we did Little Women, the casting, it was like Eliza Scanlon. I don't, I don't even know who she is. She's Australian. Sure. Fantastic. She had... Uh, 
nothing. I could say nothing about her because it was like, I felt like the character wasn't even there. But this, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. She is amazing. I couldn't think of anyone else to play that part either. So Eliza Scanlon, brava, brava. Bill Vickery is played by Matt Craven. Uh, he looks familiar too. I don't really remember him. I think he played a good part or did a good job of just being like a backwoods, like small town sheriff. So, sure. Oh, apparently he's done it before. He played a chief deputy in Justified. Oh, yeah. See, that's another. Yeah, he fits that role. He looks like he belongs in another era. Uh, Alan Krellen is played by Henry Ch- Cerny. Cerny looks Polish. Uh, I don't know him, I, but Alan, that character's so weird in itself that I think he did just fine. It's like kind of, I think it's better that you have like a no name actor play that role. John Keane is played by Taylor John Smith. So here's my thing. After reading the book, I think he fits in the show. Uh, but once you read his character in the book, I don't think he fits because he's like in the show, he's tall, he's blonde, he's built, he's beautiful. He's like your jock, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but that's not what he's supposed to be in the book. He's like a skinny kind of, he's, they say that he's beautiful, but not in like a super masculine way. Mm-hmm. And he's got long, longer, dark hair. So I, I don't know. I think it, I think it, I think, I think I preferred the actor one in the show. So that's Taylor John Smith. Wow. That is a white name. That is <laughs> a white name. Taylor John Smith. Got it. Ashley Wheeler, who is his girlfriend in the show is played by, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Madison Davenport. I don't know who that is. She played a dumb little girl just fine. So cool. Frank Curry, who is Amy Adams or Camille Preaker's uh, boss, I guess. And it seems like they're also a lot closer. Like he's like a father figure to her is played by Miguel Sandoval. And I think he was great because I pictured him while I was reading the book. It seemed you're just an older type of chubby dude. It worked out well. Bob Nash is played by Will Chase. Again, I don't know who that is, but I think he did a good job. And then Jackie O'Neill is played by Elizabeth Perkins. And I think that was spot on casting for her. She plays a good pill-popping town drunk who has money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I can't, like, I know I've seen her in other stuff. I just, I didn't look into it. I just couldn't remember off the top of my head where she's been from, but she's also an actor. She's, if you see her, you've probably seen her in some other stuff. Yeah. So I think casting for this was pretty, pretty good. I would agree with that. Yeah. Like there's some things they change characteristic wise, like how they look and stuff. But I think all the actors were just amazing. That is one thing I can say about this show is that the acting is definitely phenomenal. Fantastic acting. Yeah, I think everybody did a very, very good job. Uh, the one that did throw me off was Will Chase a little bit because I know he's done uh, musical theater and stuff like that. So, Oh, this, has he really? Yeah. This is a dark character. Yeah, that's a real dark character, and we're going to get into that now because let's jump into this plot. Uh, so we're going to say right away that the adaptation sticks pretty true to the book. 
there are some weird things that they throw in there or they move around or they um, replace. So we're going to talk about that. But overall, you know, if you are an adaptation snob in regards where you need the adaptation to be, uh, you know, in lockstep with the book, this probably falls in that category for the most part. So the big thing, let's from the beginning is in the show, Camille Preaker is a reporter in St. Louis. So still in Missouri, but in St. Louis and she gets called in to go down to wind gap, which is where she's from. That's her hometown. And I guess wind gap is known for like hog farms, hog butchering, um, and she makes a, a statement where it's either old money or trash. So there's a, there's no middle class, I guess, in wind gaps. Either you work in the hog farms or you you know profit from the hog farms, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Camille likes to say that she is trash from old money, which I thought was funny. I think that's a I think that's a pretty accurate. Yeah, because she is kind of, she's definitely trashy, but she comes from like one of the wealthiest families in the town. But anyway, St. Louis. But in the book, when I read it, I realized she's actually in Chicago. So I don't know why they did that change where in the show they made her from Chicago. I mean, in the show they made her from St. Louis, but the book, she's from Chicago. Like, she's working in Chicago. I did look into this a little bit, and I found some articles that suggest that maybe the show changed it to where she's in St. Louis, and it's no-name newspaper because they want to make it seem like she really didn't escape too far and she didn't because it almost feels like in the book that she made it out of wind gap and she's you know being successful where in the show they wanted to show like she got out of wind gap but she didn't make it that far she's still in missouri she's in st louis no like a she's got so many demons that she can't function successfully in life right yeah, I can see that. It's just St. Louis just sounds awful. Yeah, which is why the show I think they wanted to go. They wanted to be a bit more moist. And God thinks so. They kept her in St. Louis. Awful. Uh, another big thing is so she gets sent down to Wind Gap. She's reluctantly. She does not want to go back. Um, but Curry, Frank Curry, her boss is like, "You got to go. Like, we want to do these stories." And so. The premise is one girl was found dead um, several months ago, and now another girl has gone missing. So we only have one body. The other girl's missing. Same sort of uh, age frame or age range that the girls are, so they're thinking maybe they're connected. So he wants her to go down and sort of just report on the town. You know, she's not going down there to really investigate the murder per se, but she is an uh, investigative reporter. So that's why she goes down, which in the show it blew my mind because she is like literally pounding little vodka bottles the whole way down in her shitty car. And she clearly has no standards or uh, a favorite because it's, it's like five or six different kinds of vodka. Yeah, I think it's whatever she can get her hands on. But drinking the whole way down, driving back to Wingap. Um Next big departure, though, is, and I have an issue when they they change ages of children or characters that are, when we're dealing with sexual assault, pedophiles, things like this, because I, I, I want to know why are you 
changing it? Are you trying to make it better? Because it's not. And this is in the book, the girls that are dead, Anne and Natalie, are nine and 10. They're very young. But in the show, I think they try to allude to the fact that they're like 12, 13. Yeah, because they make the comment or the mom, uh, Adora, makes the comment or something that uh, Amma was in class with them. So why would a 13-year-old be in a class with a 9 and 10-year-old? Yeah. So I I don't like when they do that. I hate it because it's like these girls were brutalized. They weren't, they were not sexually assaulted. That is the thing that comes out that is so strange in, um, in the case and the evidence is because they weren't sexually assaulted, but they were brutalized in every other way, but they're nine and they're 10. They're young, they're babies. But in the show, they're like, actually they're, they're like, they're, they're not that young. They're like, you know, teenagers. I just don't understand that. Why they, cause either way, nine or 13, that happening to them is just awful. So again, Hollywood do better. And also like, they just think, Oh, this is people would react to this um, badly. Uh, You're already showing some really serious shit in this show. I think having people react to um, younger children being murdered falls in line with the reaction you're trying to get. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause it's terrible. But anyway, that's a big thing I, I realized right away when I started reading. I was like, oh, these are a lot younger. A lot, lot younger. Something noteworthy, though, for the beginning of this book is that uh, we learn now that Camille is a cutter. Or it's alluded to pretty heavily. Like, it, I don't think it comes flat out just yet. In the show, at the end of the first episode, she's in the bathtub which is also different because I think in the book she's talking about like a, it's a shower in that really shitty motel. And she like puts a towel down to try to like let the water raise up a little bit. Cause she doesn't like to take showers. It was gross. It was really gross. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it was one of those just shower stalls that yeah. didn't have anything else. And she just, uh, cause she hates the water falling on her uh-huh. for some reason. So yeah, she always sense. takes baths. Yeah. So in the show, she's in a full-on bathtub, but in the mm-hmm. book, they describe the scene where she's trying to, like, take a bath in this really shitty motel's bathroom stall. And she's like, somebody's pew floated by. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, that's Hoot. so disgusting. I would literally just not bathe myself at that point. I would wait. I'd, just, <laughs> I'd rather be dirty than do that. Um, <laughs> so at the end of the show, that's where we see the word carved into Camille's arm and it says vanish so we kind of get to the fact like oh she does cutting or 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 something along those lines like why else is there like a scar of this word in her arm but it's a little bit more open in the book earlier on that she does suffer from or did suffer from some self-harm and cutting and she has this obsessive compulsive need to write things down and words so i like how the book better explained why she does this but then it it turns from her writing in notebooks to her writing on herself and that's the big thing with camille's background is her sister passed away that she was very very close with not the the character in this amma that's another half sister but marion marion yeah so she she cuts but what's noteworthy about it is 
in the book, they make a big point about how the word vanish is actually carved into the back of her neck. Cause she's always like putting her hand up and like kind of rubbing the words on the back to feel them. But in the show she's, she's in the bathtub and she, her arms down and the word is on her forearm. Yeah. And also in the book, she talks about how vanish was the last word she carved into herself. And that Mm -hmm. was one of the last spots that she could actually reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The book really does a better job of taking us through that journey of her progressing to the self harm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because she is, she had a lot of issues, even when she was younger, uh, compulsive sort of issues, then her sister died and that, that manifested now into a more physically self-harmful manifestation. So before she'd write books, words, she wouldn't, she didn't want the words to go away. She wanted to keep everything. And now she would just write the words on her big thing though, is she only writes words. She does not write names on herself, just words that, um, I just thought that was interesting how they they changed that because it's clear or maybe it's not clear. This is what I get from the show is that they want you to know that she was carving on herself at some point, but they don't show it where the book is very descriptive of it. So I mm-hmm. wonder if if they're trying to downplay the self-harm in the show because there's a lot of descriptors in the book about how she would carve it, what it would be like, how it would heal, how she would mend to it, how she would, you know, reopen the wound. But they don't do any of that in the show. What they do, though, is the funeral scene where she goes to the funeral of Natalie Keene because they do find the girl eventually that we're going to talk about. Um her her like dress rips and then she goes and gets like a sewing thing which i thought was really weird this doesn't happen in the book at all her dress does not rip she does not go and get a little sewing thing is she goes all the way to the gas station to buy a little sewing kit to sew up her dress but i feel like if that were me and my dress literally split up the side i would just go home and change yeah and they're in a small town, so it's not like she's far. I feel like the little shitty gas station that she went to is probably the same distance to get back to the house. But I, I looked this up and I read that the show made a point to do to include this so that we could sh- see her interacting with the needle and how she's like pressing it into her skin and like up her nail bed and things like that. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to show that struggle in front of you yeah. just watching her with the needle and she's contemplating and actually i had to look away at one point because it looked like she was going to shove the needle up underneath her nail yeah and i i just i couldn't deal with it in the book it's a lot easier to get that feeling just because you're reading the words you're reading her thoughts and she's actually saying how much of a challenge it is to resist the urge to pick up yeah. a knife or some other kind of sharp object <laughs> title <laughs> of the book sharp um, objects <laughs> yeah, awesome uh, but funny. it's yeah in the book it's easier to uh, put those put those words. They're coming from her brain. Um, yeah, because we are we and, are yeah. traversing the story through her point of view. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the show, it's still sort of semi her point of view, but we're getting um, some scenes with just the detective, some scenes like with just the mother and stuff. So it's a, it's a bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think I 
I appreciate the way the show did that so that you could see that her dealing with it, where I think it would have been just painful to watch her cutting herself and also maybe kind of triggering um, to people that were watching the show. So uh, good. I think it was a good part of the show to do that. So whatever, whatever, whatever. Also in the show, she meets detective Willis like right away because when yeah. she gets down there to the town, she shows up at the search party because they still haven't found Natalie Keene yet at this point. Um, they think she's still just missing. So they're doing a search party. She shows up to where the search party is and then she meets Detective Willis right away. But that's not how it is in the book. Like it's a she goes and does that, does the search party, goes home. Um, the scene where she returns to the house where her mother is, is is very, very similar. No changes there for the most part. Um, but then she doesn't meet Detective till later on. I I forget when she actually met him. But it's it's a while before she comes into contact with him. Yeah, and there was another change, too, because I feel like in the show that they found Natalie Keene's body like way earlier than what they did in the book, because that happens in episode one, I think. I was taking notes. Oh, Nat, finding, like a, yeah. Yeah. Yes, because then, yeah, because they find her, um, the detective comes in. I think that's when in the book she meets yeah. him finally is when uh, that's, after yeah, Natalie's body's found. And, and that whole situation was different than the book anyway, because in the in the book, she's going out early in the morning or something. Yeah. And she sees the hardware store owners and the woman is like on the ground yeah. and practically screaming and stuff like that. And she goes over to see it. And it's this 12 foot gap between buildings. So it's not even a full alleyway. Yeah. That this poor girl is wedged into, and uh, he comes to respond to the call uh, whenever they come yeah, to that's when they retrieve meet. the body. Yeah, and then she's questioned and stuff. So um, I didn't hate that because I feel like if you're going to have this sort of relationship between two characters, why don't you just get it out in the open right away? So they they meet in the early early on in the show, but a little bit later in the book. So not not super mm-hmm. different, but um, there's that. There's that. Okay, so we found Natalie Keene's body. Also, in the show, she realizes that the one of the girls from this, like, think of Mean Girls. There's, like, this group of Mean Girls that's just running around town. Um, and she makes a note of one of them. She says she's very pretty, blah, 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 blonde hair. But she doesn't realize that that's Emma till way later in the book. Like I think there's a couple days she goes even in the house where she has not even been introduced to her half sister. Where mm-hmm. in the book it's all, not in the book in the show it's almost like immediately like you have the first episode where she's around town, she sees this girl, they have a few interactions, and then she goes to the house that evening, goes to the bed but then like doesn't sleep there goes and like passes out in the bar or something the, she goes to the bar and then passes out in the, in the parking <laughs> lot um, in her car yeah in so her you're car. taking another drink yeah that's a big one there because she's in the car drinking drunk and having flashbacks and it's for a while so you're going to be fucking wasted just from that scene alone then she comes back to the house um, and that is it's after Natalie Keene's body is found, right? That she comes down. I think so. 
Yeah, because she's she goes back to the house and her mother's like, Camille, don't talk about that. I can't. I just couldn't possibly. Don't talk about all the bad stuff with the kids in the town. I knew them. And she's like, God damn it, mom. Like, whatever. Um, so then Emma comes down and she realizes like, oh, this is that bitch I saw around town. And that's her sister. <laughs> but in the show, it's like right away. Um, Emma's like, I like you. Oh my God, we're going to be best friends. We're going to be sisters. and amazing. Where that's not really how it happens in the book. They don't really like each other because the girl is like a little bitch. And also. Oh, she was giving her such a freaking hard time. Yeah, she's that, that little girl is a bitch. Uh, big thing, not big thing, but big thing to me, and I don't know why I stuck on this. In the show, that dollhouse is like in the front room. It's all mm-hmm. propped up and stuff. But I, I think the dollhouse is not that big because in the book, like she has it with her all around the house. I think the first time she actually interacts with Emma, Camille, that is, is on the front porch because she's out there like playing with the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Which is also weird because the girl's 13 years old and she's like dressed up. But that's a thing with her mother that we'll get into. Uh, so beginning of the book, just a few things that are, are changed. But the I think the big things are that... She's not from Chicago. She meets Detective Willis right away and they get into it. And he's kind of creepy too, isn't he? Like he's, he's thirsty because he's like, Hey, what's up? Let's do this. I want to talk to somebody that's not from this town. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I know him as uh, Danny Castellano from the Mindy project. Mm. He plays one of the the doctors in the practice with Mm her. And so I, I kept expecting him to just be overly sarcastic and just mean because that was his character. But he was yeah. actually like really, really kind of nice. Yeah, but, he's a nice guy. But also at the same time, somebody who doesn't want to take anybody's shit. Like he yeah. calls her on everything. It's like, I know you're lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> him and the sheriff or the uh, chief dude they're always have sweat stains like the talk about armpit stains like all the way down the shirt the back is completely like the back (laughs) it's almost like they took this jillian flynn's like i wanted to keep the story moist and they're like literally they're like got you say no more moist it is and why is it that they're the only ones with sweat stains everybody else looks pristine but they're just covered fine but maybe it's to show that they're out like roam in the town trying to find this girl i don't know but that's where the the producer of the show are like we got to keep it moist yeah and i'm pretty <laughs> sure both of their cars have air conditioning so there's no reason why yes. you should be riding around town yes and they're getting out and being covered in sweat yeah which i thought was hilarious uh, so there's that there's the moist detective in chief um, Please but stop also- saying that word. <laughs> Moist. Uh, <laughs> but then there is the relationship between Camille and her sister is not um, as happy as it is in the show, which is weird. Uh, in the book, they're like this little. She hates her. Camille does not like her at all. She's like this bitch. Well, and she also makes a lot of comments in the book about how uh, Ama is essentially bipolar. Like, oh yeah. Second, she'll be super, super sweet. And then the next, she's just trying to bite her head off. Yeah, she points that out too. Like, this kid has problems. I think she tried to make a parallel between, like, is it our mother? <laughs> is it because we have the same mother? Is it genetic or is it the way we were raised? So that does come up in it. Um, yeah, so Camille is not like her. But then I also thought, because Camille's supposed to be like in her early 30s, right? 
I think so. So I think I'm I'm around the same age as Camille. And if I had to go home and deal with my mother and a 13-year-old sister, I would also not be a happy camper. Nope. Because 13-year-olds suck. Kids suck. Especially preteens and teenagers. They're fucking awful. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that middle school girls are the absolute worst human beings on the planet. They are. They're the worst. Also, can I ask about, since we're on this thing about teenage girls, where did the roller skating come from? Because they're for roller, that's like the whole, everybody's, all these girls are just fucking roller skating everywhere in the show. Not once do they mention a pair of roller skates in the book. I have no idea. Is that like an art, an artsy thing where the producers and the director are like, oh yeah, it's just some roller skating around. Like, Okay, so I know that this show for a fact takes place current time yeah but there are some shows that like to do this thing where you kind of don't really know what time frame it takes place in and that might be kind of a nod to that kind of feeling is like it's progressing on to modern times but they're trying to hold on to the past because you don't really see people roller skating anymore yeah and it's between that and then the clothing that they wear it does all seem very old-fashioned so it might have been an effort to show how stuck in a time this oh yeah because backwards area um oh another thing i just thought of in the book camille doesn't have a phone yeah she said that she's one of the last holdouts in chicago yeah she doesn't want to have a phone but she's got a phone and an ipod in the in the in the show so the beginning. So then we transition the middle where now we we do know that Natalie Keene is dead. The girl's body is found, unfortunately. Um, so Amy Adams' character, Camille, uh, is trying to ask questions. But it's a small town, and small town doesn't want to deal with outside reporters. A few people are, like, open to talking to her, like uh, the Nash character. The, that's the father of the first victim he'll talk to her a little bit uh and there's a weird thing with his character where in the show they make it seem like his wife has left completely and it's not there mm-hmm. but we find out in the book that she is there she's just a very strange character she's very like it makes it seem like he's abusive or um what's another word but he is it does sound like he's abusive but also like super controlling yeah yeah and and did I miss something in the book? But I feel like that was another huge change in the show where he was actually made to be one of the primary suspects. Yeah, it, it and was. I thought in the book they said, yeah, we talked to him. We had to rule him out immediately because he yeah. was out of town or something. Yeah, so he is not a, a suspect in the book. It's just that the they show how the small town mindset works where people are insinuating that he is him. But they're more mm-hmm. focused on John Keene, the brother of Natalie Keene, the older brother, that he is this, um, the one. And they, they kind of allude to both. the. Sh- I think the show kind of alludes that he had a weird relationship with his sister because, like, why would he cry? But mm-hmm. like his sister died. Like, I feel like if your brother died, you'd, you'd cry. Like, <laughs> I, would, I would like to think that if I died, my brother would cry. Yeah, I think he would. You you will. You definitely would. Um, so John Keene's more of the suspect in the book. But it's a toss-up between Nash and Keene in the show. Because they're both fucking weird. 
Um, so there's that. So she's asking questions. There's in the book when Camille goes to talk to the Keen family, the mother is like very uh, against talking to her. She's almost like borderline abusive with Camille. It, that she has no real interaction with the family outside of John Keen in the show. They don't go down that storyline. She has that one little strange conversation with the dad in the backyard after the funeral, mm-hmm. but that even wasn't that contentious. It was just like, no, I don't know. They is different. It's really not a big thing. Like if you read the book or watch the show or do both, it's not something that you're going to make a lot of note of. Uh, there's that. But then this is where her relationship with the detective in the show starts to flourish. Maybe. I don't even know what you call it. Cause this is fucking weird. I, I would not call it flourishing. I would just say that it is. It is. It's a situationship in its finest. So she's from out of town, but she's originally from there. So he kind of wants to leverage that because she's doesn't have this small town mindset anymore. She's from a bigger city. He just feels like he's cooped because he's been there for months mm-hmm. working on this case from Kansas City. They, they sent him up to work on this case from the first girl that went missing. So he wants to talk to her. He's real flirty. I think in the show and the book, he's he's very, very flirty. Wants to, you know, talk to her. And she's just like, I, I don't do this chit chat thing. Like, I don't I don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> it, it also seemed very, very odd, even I think especially in the book, because in the in the show, he was able to kind of present these questions in more of a professional manner mm-hmm. but in the book. She, she even thinks that okay he's trying to get my attention and he wants something and it was seemed a lot more out of place yeah i think is a good way to put it a bit more pervy it's but i also think weird. in the book because you're dealing with this her point of view and she doesn't really have a healthy relationship um with anyone or anything so i think men also counts in there where she just is very uh suspicious of mm-hmm. men so the book, I, I sense that where she's like, what she's describing doesn't seem inherently pervy or creepy, but you're getting it from her point of view. So it just feels that way. Yeah. So he's just a guy that sees an attractive woman that, you know, isn't caught up in this small town. So he feels like this kinship, like, hey, we're both not, you know, from here, even though you are originally from here, like, we got something in common and um, maybe we could hook up. Like it seems very natural <laughs> for yeah. a man. Like nothing is like overtly um, creepy, but her, she's like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Don't talk to me. Uh, so I thought that, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, but also I think in the show um, you get a little bit more used to him because they make him more of a lead character in the show than he is in the book. Definitely. The book he's like, he's there and then he's not there. Then he's there again. Well, Especially because in this show, he takes over some of the things that Camille did in Mm -hmm. the book. Because in the show, I don't really feel like she was ever really investigating. Mm -mm. She was just trying to walk around and talk to people and get their perspectives on things that had happened. Yeah. But in in the book, she's actually investigating and and digging and and going and trying to find out what happened, not just to the girls, but also to herself. Yeah, because... 
as she's investigating the girls that there's things that pop up where she, it kind of triggers her. And she's like, wait a minute, this, uh, this sounds familiar. And she starts kind of like drawing parallels to her childhood, her dead sister's uh, situation with her mother, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Also in the show, every time she talks to her boss, Frank, he, it seems like he's very sick. Yeah. And he's always talking about how his wife won't let him do certain things and she's keeping an eye on him and doctoring him and all this other stuff. Yeah, we don't know what's wrong with him. They never talk about it, but it, he's always like at home with pills. His wife's there in the background. Um, that There's none of that in the book at all. Like she just calls. No. Sometimes she calls him when he's at home, talks to his wife. She's close with both of them. They know, Frank and his wife, that is, know that Camille's had a a rough time um, and they're trying to help her through this. So yeah, she's still close with them in both, but Frank's not sick. I don't know what this whole storyline was about in the show. I thought that was weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we have this situation ship with the detective and one of the things that happens is he wants her to take him around and show him like all the secret spots that kids hang out in which we find out in the book that he already knew about these spots he just wanted to see it through camille's eyes i guess i don't know um but one of these shacks they they describe it in the book and it looks pretty similar in the show is that there's a shack out there and there's like lots of pornographic images up on the walls and kids go there, I guess to like make out or hook up. I don't know. Uh, but okay. I'm going to point something out. It's not huge, but I thought it was interesting. So in the show, while they're out there in the woods, they kind of have a, you know, a little sexy moment, but it's, she's, she essentially just takes his hand and shoves it down her pants. And they do that. Uh, and then <laughs> later on, yeah. Then later on during something like later, 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 she kisses him and he makes a comment like, oh, now, now we kiss. Like we've done everything else, but now we kiss. But in the book, they kiss first mm-hmm. in the woods. They kiss and then they do weird shit. Um, but I was like, that's a weird thing to change, right? Like, and doesn't that weird out? shit happen in his hotel room then? Not it, out in the woods? They do both. Okay. She just like you don't get a full description of it in the book. It's just after fact. Oh, and then like you know, he fucking finger fucked me in the woods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she just kind of says it in passing. Um, but th- then the hotel scene, which in the, I think in the sh- book actually he's has an apartment. It's he's not in a hotel or motel because he's been there for like I six months. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. He has a hotel, right. uh, an apartment in the in the book, so she goes there, and so this is what's happening. She's covered from like collarbone down to her ankles in her carving words on her body, and she's always wearing long sleeves, long pants, etc. So when they get to this scene in the book and the show in his apartment slash hotel she doesn't want to take her clothes off rightfully so i mean he's butt naked right 
And he's like, I'm clothes off. And he's trying to take mm-hmm. her clothes off. And she's like, no, 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 my way, my way. We do it my way. And he's like, sure, whatever. I'm getting late. Uh, she doesn't like really take off any of her clothes, but they still manage to do it. And they kind of, she's kind of like describing it in the book. And I read very, very closely here. Cause I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, how does this work? Cause I'm pretty sure she <laughs> doesn't take her pants off. So like she doesn't pull them down, but she's on her back. How does that work? What are the, uh, what are the logistics of this? Jackie, explain us. Uh, maybe, maybe she has to put blinders on him so that he can't see anything from her face down. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. But the thing is, is you have nerve endings all over your body. You are capable of feeling things. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, so if he's putting her hand, well, she's trying to keep his hands off from like yeah. rubbing like on her side or stomach or anything. Um, but he does start to get some idea that she is doing it or he does have definitely an idea that she's doing it because that's around the same time that he goes and talks to a doctor about self-harm and and cutting mm-hmm. and stuff like that to try and figure out why yeah because he gets a glimpse of a word um at some point but before mm-hmm. then he just doesn't make a big deal about it but he sees yeah. it and he's like that's weird um but he doesn't see the full extent of it until later. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the major departure in the middle? Yes. Let's talk about Calhoun Day. Jackie, go ahead. Jackie's <laughs> upset about this. I really am. Uh, I just honestly don't see the point. It never takes place in the book. Yeah. I honestly think that it was put in there because Calhoun Day is all about celebrating the Confederacy. I honestly feel like it was on the part of the show makers to make the viewer dislike the people of Wind Gap that much more. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because it is. Because it's like these backwoods racist. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly do feel that it was an effort on their part to make these people the most unsympathetic people in the world. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about that a little bit, too, because in the show, it's clear that uh, Camille has a very close relationship with the housekeeper or the Mm -hmm. maid or or whoever this woman is, who is a she is a black woman in the show and, and in the book. But it seems like she's been there a long time and was there when Camille was a child and she kind of grew up with her. This is very, very close relationship with them. It's sweet. It almost reminds me that like the book and the movie, The Help, where mm-hmm. you know, the children have a very, very close relationship with with these women because that's that's who's there with them and mm-hmm. acting more of like a mother. And then all of a sudden the book, I'm reading it and realize she's never met this woman before in her life. This is like a new person they've hired. Mm hmm. What what was the whole point of introducing that storyline? I think it's, again, like, to show that distinction that you're making where these backwoods racist motherfuckers, but, like, Camille's not like that. Camille because likes she got the black out. housekeeper. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very strange. Then they also, in the show, um, her when she meets up with the, the friends from high school, and there's the one girl that was, like, kind of part of their group, but not really. They were mean to her. Um in the show, she is a black woman and she's a black mm-hmm. girl uh, where 
later they're having a conversation and she's like, oh, well, you never treated me that badly or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You were always nice to me. Um, again, to show this sort of line where everyone else is racist, but Camille isn't. Yeah. Which doesn't I, I, really exist in the book. And given what the show and the book both deal with, and that we're talking about the self-harm, the abuse, physical and emotional, things like that, I just, I don't see why that had to be add, added in, had yeah. to be added in. Yeah, it's kind of irrelevant. Not to say that's not bad, and it's touching stories, and it's it's a good, um, like, it's, it's a feel-good thing to put in there, which is, we're not saying... We're not saying it's bad. It's just, it's almost like unnecessary where it's like you have this really serious subject matter such as self-harm, suicide, sexual assault, but we spend more time trying to call these people racist, which doesn't exist in the book. I mean, I'm sure they are. I'm sure this backwoods Missouri town, they probably are super racist, but but, you kind of get that in any other backwoods town. (laughs) And I think that the characters in the book are made to be unlikable enough just by their actions that yes. you don't need that addition of Calhoun Day and like celebrating the Confederacy. That they are racist on our own. Like they are terrible people that I will just add the racist ticket on there with it. Like I don't need all these extra storylines and then you're you're skipping over the stuff that's important to this story, which is the fact that she has carved an entire lexicon on her body. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay. There's that. Well, There's that. and it even comes up later on because when the uh, sheriff is talking to the detective or something and he's talking about we have a possible suspect, it's probably one of the Mexicans that works at the, uh, the yeah. Hall. Yeah. That never happens in the book. No, it doesn't. Like it doesn't, they miss. They, they don't trust outsiders enough, but then to add race on top of it, mm-hmm. it's just, it seems unnecessary. And actually from the book, it, it seems like, okay, there's not a lot of, this doesn't touch on a lot. So what I'm saying might be completely right out of my butthole, but the, the workers at the farm and stuff it, it seems like a lot of the lower class people in the city or the town themselves work there alongside with some of the, the Mexican workers but mm-hmm. there's never any talk of any sort of discontent between these people there's yeah. they're considered people of the town they're just mm-hmm. lower class so yeah yeah Maybe it's a little bit of that pretentious thing going on. Like, oh, we got to touch on some other subject matter, like racism. It's like, there's enough of that. Like, there really is. And there's a time and a place, but this, I don't think, was the story for it. Because nope. um, fuck mental health. Like, who cares when there's racism at hand? But anyway. So yeah. another thing is the John Keene storyline. This part of the story is... In the book and the show, they want to say that he's a suspect because he doesn't have an alibi. Um, Everyone thinks it's weird that he's super crying, that his sister's dead. They're out of town. I think they came from Philadelphia or something. So he's an outsider. All this stuff is playing against him. But there is a point in the show where they're going to arrest him because they... they, um, They say one of the Mexicans ID'd John Keene when they find the bike of the other girl. They're like, oh, yeah, it's him. We saw him dumping the bike in there. But then we find out that was a bunch of horse shit. Anyway, it was a a lie. So 
they're going to arrest John Keane. So John Keane is like, nobody can find him. Then Camille finds him at a bar. Like she's looking for him. She's like, oh, he's got to be at another bar. Where in reality, in the book, she, they're not looking to arrest him. He is hanging out at a bar because he's like drinking his sorrows away. And she just happens upon him. And then yeah, I think he, I think he makes the comment in the book. He's like, well, they're going to arrest me anyway. Something like something along those lines. It's kind of similar to what he says in the show. Yeah. But like you said, that they're not actually, yeah, they're not actually looking for him. They're not no. actually trying to find him. Yeah. So, but he just gets completely shit faced and she's like, you can't drink or you can't drive because you're so drunk. Um, and he doesn't want to go back to his girlfriend's house because he hates her <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we have time to get into that relationship. Because <laughs> but didn't didn't he say that he was going to break up with her? But then the whole the whole thing happened with Natalie, and it yeah, just and wasn't like, the just time. Yeah. He he hates his girlfriend. He hates her so much. He doesn't want. I mean, I would her. I would hate her too. Yeah, she was fucking annoying. He doesn't want to go back to his parents' house because there's like shit of his sisters all around. He doesn't want to deal with his mom. Doesn't want to go to his dad either. Um, so she's like, well, I'll get you a hotel room. And they go, she gets him a hotel room. They go to the hotel and then things, they're both super drunk. Okay. Really, really drunk. I mean, she's high functioning alcoholic, but I think she's been binging for a while at this point mm-hmm. in the book and in the show. She's, she's kind of drunk, but he's gone. So they get there and he sees the words on her like uh, on her wrist or something but he says like oh i saw oh he like pulls up her sleeve he goes i saw this at another time i just don't want to say anything but he's like can i see and she's like no 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 not possibly but he's like and no, then he keeps see. saying it's okay it's okay yeah, it's okay and he keeps like taking her clothes off she's like no and i'm like this is not right but okay <laughs> <laughs> she's saying no <laughs> um so he, he takes it off and she's Again, she's just covered in dough. And we, there's a lot of other things that happen in the show and the book. It's just they're they're peripheral type of situations. But there's other scenes where people have seen what's on her body, like the the dressing room instance with her mom and her sister, and blah blah blah. Anyway, so she is now naked. She's naked on the bed, and he is now also naked. Somehow we got there. <laughs> it's somehow, like strip. It's it's like strip poker, but without the poker. Yeah, like somehow uh-huh. all of a sudden everyone's naked, and then they uh they have the sex. They have mm-hmm. the sexy time. Um, where okay, in the book she's she makes a comment like, "Oh, he's hard," and then all of a sudden it happened. Like she she helps them guides and you know and they're doing it did you realize um in the show that that scene when they got there the reaction she had yeah what does that make you think Mm, lots of things (laughs) all i can think is those conversations Mackie brought up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Mel and I went on the cruise with a couple friends. And there was some, there was a topic of conversation that kept presenting itself. Yeah. It was I kept a range of myself like nine quiet. to ten and a half inches. 
the way she reacts during the said penetration scene, um, <laughs> the reaction she has makes me think that were they just trying to allude that he's fucking massive? I guess so. It was so weird. He's a fucked up kid with a huge dick, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and let's talk about that real quick. Yes, kid. Uh, there is both in the book and the show, they make a point to be like, are you of age? And here's my my thing. Maybe it's just because we're older now, but if you have to ask somebody, are you of age? I feel like you just, you're already done. Like at that point you walk away. Yeah, the situation should never have happened. Are you of age? Like, mm, if I have to ask that, then um, no, I already, mm. I'm gone. Bye. Okay, so here's the big difference. So they they this happens both in the book and the show. This scene, uh, the show, more alluding to the fact that he's fucking hung like a who knows. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why they did that, but anyway. But the thing is, the cops show up. And they bang on the door. Ah, Camilla, are you in there? They they kick open the door. Uh, but in the show, they're looking for John because I want. He's, there's a warrant out for his arrest, which is not the case in the book. In the book, they're looking for Camille because her mother is like she didn't come home. I'm worried about her. So the detective and the chief are the ones that go to the hotel to find her. I thought that was odd. That would but be a patrolman. That would be some like sheriff's deputy who, hey, yeah. you busy? You're doing a wellness okay, check, but they send the finish, detective. Yeah. The out finish, of town finish your donut. Yeah. yeah. Finish your donut and uh, go ahead and head down to the motel and check on this 30 plus year old woman because her yeah. mom's worried. So either way, they come in and both of them are like, are you of age? And like, yeah, he's 18. They're like, all right, fine. Fuck, fuck it then. But, of course, Detective Richard Willis pops in. He sees it, what's going on. And um, he's like, damn. Well, okay. There's a bit of, uh, what I say this? Like, she she has, like, a meltdown in the hotel room with him where she's like, oh, let me make it up to you. Don't hate me. Don't hate me. That's not what oh, it yeah, She like. tries to get on her knees and unzip his he, pants. Yeah, he's like, what are you doing? Stop. He's like, she's like, it's not what it looks like. He's like, what are you talking about? I can smell it. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, well, that's the thing. And in, in the book, they don't bust the door down. They give them no. time. They end yeah. up getting dressed. They actually answer the door like civilized people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come in and they make the assumptions. And mm-hmm. yeah, of course, it's an exactly tr- good assumption. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few times that that assumption is safe. But <clears throat> in the show, they knock on the door, scream John Keane's name, and then, like, bust the door down because they so were taking too long. she doesn't have, like, long. her pants on yeah. yet. And he's, like, they're all... Ugh! So it's yeah. definitely what it looks like. It is what it looks like and what it smells like. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. Uh, but in the book, he's just like, oh, damn. And he, he walks away. So she goes back to his office later to have this scene where she's trying to, like, get down her knees. He's like, stop. Um, now... In the book, this is almost like, not not totally, but it ends this relationship between them. Mm-hmm. Where in the show, it's still kind of like on the rocks. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, but yeah, but there's that. So it was, it was odd. So now she's like, he calls her like a slut or something. So of course he would, man. <laughs> Typical. But he says something else about the fact that she's, Definitely unstable. 
Well, yeah, because this is the point where he's really starting to get into it. And he's actually starting to look into the medical records of her and her sister and stuff like that, because he's doing all that investigative work. So he knows there's shit going on. He knows that she has issues and there's a reason for those issues. So he's the one that actually starts to suspect the mother. Right. Yeah. He's the one that finds the nurse. Yeah. So let's get into that. Um, The... The detective, like Jackie's saying, is the one that starts, like, digging it. I don't know what prompts it, though. That was something really weird. When he shows up and he finds that um, nurse who's showing him the medical records that prove there's clearly something wrong with the mother because she kept bringing her in, the daughter, which is Camille's dead half-sister, always sick, you know, bringing her in, bringing her in, she's always sick. And the nurse is like, yeah, it's Munchausen by proxy, where Munchausen is when you harm yourself for attention, but Munchausen by proxy is usually what, something that mothers hurt their children to get attention, either by how they're taking care of them, bringing it to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. So it's cl- the nurse says it's clear that Adora had that, and that's what ultimately killed um, Camille's sister. But it's the detective that's looking into it. Again, unprompted, don't know why, but in the book, it's Camille that starts hunting this down because I think she suspects her mother and I forget what, something about the biting with the girls. That or uh, in the book, Ama gets sick a few times yes whereas in the show she doesn't get sick until the end it's Mm -hmm. after they uh come home from the party and uh they're recovering but there's a few times where ama is sick and uh, adora is taking care of her and camille is like this seems a little bit like marion yeah she's like concerning weird here and then she when she finally puts it together that her mother had a close relationship with these girls that were found dead it's it's like it's just too coincidental right yeah so, it's too convenient yeah so camille starts looking into this and since she finds the record she has that conversation with jackie which is um her mom's friend that's when she grew up alongside her uh and it's clear like jackie kind of lets it out that yeah your your mom was doing this and then camille gets real upset about like you didn't you did nothing she's like who would believe me like, there's nothing i could do she's like i mean you let her know. that's accurate though because her mom owns the town yeah and it's sad too and it's frustrating because i can understand her reaction like you knew this was going on and you did nothing and it really is one of the situations where she goes what could i do there really is mm-hmm. nothing i could do if i went and told like i could tell somebody they would not believe me um, mm-hmm. which, you know, everyone has a thing like there's, there's always something you could have done, but in this case, probably not. So now it's clear that Adora's mother is the cause of uh, Camille's half sister's death. But in the book, um, she goes and tells the detective that the mom is making her sick mm-hmm. or admit it. Cause she, there's an earlier scene where the mother gives her something in the book that like basically puts her down for the count. I forget what happened. Yeah, that that was the one thing. Um, she initially submits to the mother's care when she and Ama are recovering from that night of like ecstasy and God knows what else. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, but in the show, she refuses her care and leaves the house yeah. at first. Um, but then later on, she goes back knowing that she's going to have to submit to it just so that she can get some proof that the mother is doing this stuff. Yeah. So this is where we make it sort of into the, or make it into the home stretch here. So there's a conversation she has with Frank where she's like freaking out. She calls her boss and she's like, I, I think my mother killed these girls. I think my mother killed my sister. I think my mother's doing it again to my other sister. And Frank's like, just come home. Just get on a plane and come home. This is too much for you. And she's like, no, I need to figure this out or I need to stop her, which is accurate. This both happens in the book and the show. But the difference is that she does have that moment with her mother in the book where she realized like my mom just like really made me sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and now all of a sudden she's spending more attention. She's paying more attention to me, spending more time with me. Like she's getting her kicks off with, you know, she's she's getting rocks off with this, but she does, she recovers and leaves and she has the conversation with the detective and the detective's like, yeah, I did suspect your mother, Mm -hmm. which doesn't happen in the show. This is why I think the book makes more sense in the ending. She goes, she tells the detective and the detective's like, well, um, yeah, I, I did suspect, I have suspected your mother for a while. I was just, that's why I was spending time with you. Cause I wanted to get more insight into her background. Um, so she goes back to the house and with the knowing that they're going to arrest the mother that evening. So she knows that he's coming to the house mm-hmm. in the show. She doesn't have this conversation with the detective. She goes back and is like, um, something like she's supposed to meet detective or call him or something, or he's supposed to stop by. I, I don't know what it seemed like. It was a really complicated way for him to get, for her to get in touch with him. And him supposed to knowing what's going on, which he doesn't at this time. So she goes back to house and almost does this like martyr thing where she doesn't want the mother to keep getting Emma sick. So she's like, I'll do it. Like, no, mom, I, I don't feel good. Uh, help me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which was really weird. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why don't you just take your sister and leave? And if your sister's sick, like, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't understand. So she's in sick. She's the mother's like giving her whatever. She's in the bathtub. Emma, she finds Emma in the show and um, she's like, you need to, you need to go. You need to find the detective and have him come here. So she's like, okay, okay. She's like, just don't let them see you. So this time in the show, you think that the sister is like walked out and is trying to find the detective. So that's what Camille is waiting on in the show is that at any moment they're going to show up and rescue her, which seems like a bad plan, right? A very bad plan because like, shit happens. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of shit that can go wrong there, or you're probably going to die. But then how it works is she's like now passes. She finds, she comes out, she's like real bad. Uh, But then she sees that Emma's like sitting in her room playing with her dollhouse, but she's got the chocolate cake. Mm -hmm. That would like, what? She's like, well, my dad gave me chocolate cake and I don't want to make mom upset. And Camille's like, what the fuck? Like, nobody's coming. She's like, that's it. We're going to die. We're dying. But now she's like passed out and she hears a voice and it's Frank. 
Frank is like, has the police busted in. They have the medics there. Um, and he's come to save her. He knew something was wrong and came down to save her, which sounds fantastic. But in reality, doesn't that just seem like a bunch of bullshit? Like that just, there's no way. Yeah. Cause it never happens in the book. <laughs> yeah. Like also just in reality, like that doesn't seem like a plausible plan. No, because especially we've seen up till this point how much they distrust outsiders. He is definitely an outsider. He's never stepped foot in the town before. Yeah, the chief Vickery is not going to take this dude's word, bust down the door of, here's another thing that they add in the show, his presumed lover. Yeah. Because they make it, it's not explicit, like they don't go into a lot of detail, but it's alluded to the fact that him and Adora are having some affair. Also, it kind of alludes to the fact that he may be Camille's father. Oh, you got that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I probably missed something. So they talk about him and the relationship that he has with her and some of the comments that Camille's mother makes to her about characteristics of her father and how Camille is like her father. But if you notice in the show, immediately after she says that, they'll cut from Camille to the chief. Really? Yeah, and then there's also that scene where she's like, passed out you see her face on the floor and then we cut to chief Fickery waking up all like <gasps> there's a lot of visuals in the show that make i it seem totally like, missed yeah. all of that uh yeah. i would say i need to go back and watch it again but i don't think i can put myself no, through yeah, it because we don't know who camille's father is and it, the book never says but in the show they sort of are like hey we really should like plant this it's, it's not necessary we don't need chief Fickery to be your dad because there's nothing that goes anywhere with that but anyway so how the book goes is she does get really sick her mother's like fucking killing her um sister too but remember that conversation she had with the detective earlier on mm-hmm. yeah he's coming back because she knows that he has a warrant and they're coming to the house to arrest her mother so she knows yeah because she comes too to the sounds of her mother screaming yeah, and then you get out. The detective, like, hey, I'm here, blah, 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 I'll get you. And then <laughs> that mm-hmm. makes more sense. It makes yep. more sense. That is plausible. Like, that feels like that could happen because she knows ahead of time. She does not know this in the show. Like, there's no pre planning that there's going to be law enforcement or any sort of help coming to the house during this time. And she's not going at it about being some martyr so her mother doesn't show attention like showing attention means like she's giving her the medicine and stuff which making her sick to her sister they also kind of downplayed how bad the mother was in the show i think because Mm -hmm. it they showed her crushing up some pills or something putting them in a bottle they never really say exactly what it was that she had but in the book they describe in detail exactly what they find in the house it's like anti-malarial pills rat um, poison yeah, industrial grade laxative, mm-hmm. anti seizure tablets, yeah, horse tranquilizers, Ipecac, um, mm. all kinds of other stuff. And I mean, having had taken anti malaria pills in the past, I know mm. that having eight vials of it is yeah. probably a bit much for the average person. Where is she getting all this? It's a hell of a black market in wind gap. Oh my know. God. Yeah. And she, it's serious too with her. Um, so now they come, they arrest the mother. Uh, Camille gets custody of 
Emma. She goes back to Chicago in the book. She goes back to St. Louis in the show and we're living a happily ever life, blah, 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 blah. Um, Emma makes a new friend. They're, they're hanging out. Uh, then Emma starts to get weird again when the friend seems to be showing attention to Camille and Camille attention to the friend. But it's like, it's, it's clearly like just being nice, you know, like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's your friend. I mean, nicer. Um, the friend wants to be like a writer or a reporter. So that's what Camille is. So Emma's like, you bitch, you're stuck up to my sister. That's my sister. You know, it's very, very strange, immature, borderline psychotic obsession with her sister. Now, um, in the show, they show more of this relationship with the friend. Um, they're at Frank's house. You meet the mother of the friend in the apartment complex. But then the friend goes missing. And the mother comes and asks where Emma is. And she's like, oh, Emma went out to the lake or something. Like, I thought they were together. Anyway. Yeah, they went swimming. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but... <laughs> Now this little girl ends up dead. We find her dead, strangled. Sounds familiar. Like the other girls that died. Yep. Also, big thing we didn't talk about is they're all missing their teeth. Teeth have been plucked out. That's a big thing in the show and the book. Cause it's like, they always think it's a, a man because that takes a lot of force to pull teeth out. Well, he even gets the pig's head and tries to do it himself. Detective in Willis show, does. Yeah. And you can see it takes some effort. But then we find out an interesting little fact, though, later on, is that in children's teeth, it's easier to pull them out because the gums are softer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we are in another city. Little girl dead, strangled, kind of missing her teeth. And it's like, what the fuck? So... In the show, though, the big reveal happens by accident. Camille finds something from the dollhouse that was in the garbage, so she takes it out, and she's trying to put it back in the house, and then sees something odd, and then goes takes a looser look at the dollhouse and realizes that in the floor of the mother's room... Okay, this is another thing we didn't really talk about, was that this dollhouse is supposed to be an exact replica of the, the mother's house. And a big thing in the mother's house is an old school house built at the turn of the century is the main, the master bedroom floors are made of ivory. So tusks, like elephant, rhino tusks, ivory. Big, big no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, obviously legal now, but back then they could get it. But the whole floor is made of ivory. It's been in magazines. It's real famous, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. So back to the apartment, Camille's like, what the fuck? What is this? She's looking down at the floor. And what does she see, Jackie? Teeth. Teeth. All the teeth. Are making up the floor in the, mo- the master bedroom of this dollhouse. So and gross. That's when Emma walks in and sees that Camille has found this. And she goes, don't tell mama. <laughs> <laughs> and Camille's like, what the fuck? That's how it ends. But in the book, it's not by accident. Camille sort of puts it all together and is like, this is, this is strange. This is, uh, this is a little bit too familiar. 
And she mm-hmm. goes searching. She's like, what the fuck? Where is this? Where, where is it? She's like, you got to keep something. I think she's, she was looking for, um, she wasn't looking for teeth. I forget what she was looking for. She was looking for something of the girls or, or something that would kind of insinuate that Emma did this. Mm-hmm. But that's when she finds the teeth in the dollhouse and she's like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> so we end on like a huge plot twist where uh, I think in the show, though, the way they played it out, I kind of suspected her almost from the beginning. If I would have read the book first, I I think I would have been really surprised. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, I was I was surprised, obviously, because I, I read first and I watched yeah. the show second. Uh, I when I read first and go into the show or the movie, whatever adaptation it is, I start to think, OK, don't hold on too tight to the plot and the ending because they could go totally left field with the yeah. adaptation. And they didn't. But the way that it was found out was significantly different. So, yeah. It, yeah, I, w- I think if I read this first and didn't watch it, I would have actually been really surprised at the ending. The way they did in the show was like, ooh, shocker. Um, but I did suspect the sister for a while. Teeth. Teeth. Gross. Gross. Teeth. She's sick. <laughs> Don't tell mama. <laughs> All right. Here we are. When we talk about our reviews now of this book and this show, Jackie, you read first, so you can go first. Okay, so the book, um, I would give a 3.5 out of 5. It wasn't quite a 4 for me, but definitely a little above 3. Uh, it's just really dark, and you spend a whole lot of time wondering what awful thing is going to happen next. Um, it's part of the reason why I didn't give it a higher review. I just... The books that Mel and I normally read, yes, they do have some darker aspects, but there are happy points, too, that does not exist in this book. There's not one happy moment no. ever. No. Um <clears throat> For the show, I'm going to say a 7 out of 10. I question some of the changes in the book, and I think that the show, well, I don't really know if it would have been better if they had stayed truer to the actual plot, but I don't know. It's not really something that I feel the need to watch again. Yeah, yeah. Or if they do what Hollywood normally does and decide, hey, we're going to come out with a second season. Um, There's no sequel. Yeah, job. It it is what it is. Yeah, and then there's no source material anymore. I'm looking at you, Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I, no, I actually could be tempted to go lower than a seven out of ten. But whatever. It's on paper. It's on paper. So it's written down, or at least Google Docs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I am similar to Jackie. I'm gonna give the book about three out of five. Um. I think this being a debut novel for an author, she's definitely improved upon her storytelling and her, her plot working because my major issue with the book is, is not necessarily the writing. I think the writing was done well. I think the characters were developed well. It's just that I wouldn't call these plot holes. I would call them more like 
open storylines where there wasn't much closure where just be, you say, Oh, and then I never talked to him again. Cool. But that's, you just had, I spent all this time working on you and this detective's relationship and now he's just gone. Or, you know, this whole thing about this, we don't know who the father is. What about my father? Then we never get anything from that. It's just, I need some closure. And just because you found teeth in a dollhouse, like, I need more closure now. Like, why? Mm-hmm. How? Why? But yeah, that three out of five. The show, I'm going to give a four out of ten. Ooh. And the four points are for the acting. The acting in this is absolutely amazing. And I'm not against dark, moist mm-hmm. themes. But the show is just really uncomfortable for me to watch. There's like a lot of weird stuff. They There's like literally one line about her masturbating in the book. And then it's just like a, a theme throughout the show. Like they just wanted yeah. to hold on to it. it. Yeah, it was, it was odd. Um, so it's just uncomfortable, but the, the acting absolutely superb. I would say give the show a chance. I think it, the quality is good. The acting is great. The story is good. Cause they follow the, the book. I just, for me, I was a little uncomfortable. All right. So we read and we watched, we did not DNF cause we will not. We've committed to that. Even though we really want to sometimes. Sometimes. So what is, uh, I'm going to, I'll go first for this. I think you should read the book. I think the ending makes more sense. Not a, okay. The ending is the same. I shouldn't say the ending. I think the buildup to the climax of this story makes more sense in the book than it does in the show. But I have many questions for the show so i would say read uh i would say either i do tend more on the read side but honestly i think this is one of those things that you can do either and get the same gist i will say if you decide to watch it don't read the book vice versa if you decide to read the book don't watch the show yeah one or the other yeah but also If you do decide to read it or watch it, not both, and you feel that it's just getting to you a little too much, just stop. Walk away. Just put it down. Yeah. It's got some touchy subjects in there that if you're not in a good place when you start reading it, come back to it later or just leave it alone entirely. Mm -hmm. Because there there is really, there is no light at the end of this tunnel in this story. Nope. All right, another really dark, deep, serious episode. Uh, we're sorry. We had no idea because we've never, you know, watched or read these before. So this is Mystery May. <laughs> uh, you know what? Based on the last, this one and the last one, I'm both dreading and looking forward to June. Yes. Oh, Twilight Month. Ugh. Jackie and I were drunk when we decided that, but we're going to stick to it. We have the books. Um, we're doing that month a little bit different uh, where we're not going to swap. Jackie and I are just going to, I think we're going to watch first and then read because we both read the books, but we read them a long time ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we read the books initially before we watched it. So we're, it's been a long time. We're going to start on a clean slate and watch first and then read and go from there. 
Um, really, June is just going to be a shit on Kristen Stewart month. Yeah. That's really it. So, um, funny, not funny. If you don't, if you love Kristen Stewart, I'm sorry. More power to you. Probably don't want to listen the entire month of June. Yeah. I mean, I would like you to listen. Maybe, maybe you'll agree with us. But if not, yeah. But before we get to June, though, we have have one more weekend in Mystery May. And what do we got on the docket? A simple favor. A simple favor by I think Emily Clark is her name. Um, that is, if anyone's seen, it's the movie with, uh, oh my God, Anna Hendricks and Anna Kendrick. Anna Anna Kendrick, sorry, and Blake Lively. Blake Lively. Yeah, it's AKA. Darcy Bell wrote it. Darcy, what Emily Clark? What the hell did I get Emily Clark from? I don't know. Don't fucking listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. We're both still really tired. And I honestly think the sun on the cruise ship and the island probably fried our brains a little bit. Yeah. And we had we had every (laughs) intention of teleworking today. Uh, That did not happen. No, we just said, F it. We're going to (laughs) record. So here we are. So next week, a simple favor. Um, I think from what we can tell so far, I think we're going to end Mystery May on a much lighter note. Especially with Anna Kendrick, because that's just how she is. So, oh, yeah. um, join us. Join us for that. And then uh, if you're a big Twilight fan, make sure you join us for June. But until or then, don't, because if you are a Twilight fan of the, the, like, the movies, you might, you might not want to yeah, listen. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be good. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think really anything nice is going to come out of our mouth. So, Mm-mm. sorry. All right. But until then. Bye. Bye.